Hi everyone, welcome to I'm Fine. I uh, hope you all like the first episode that we launched recently and we are here on our second episode which, in which we're going to talk about depression and we have with us here a very, very lovely guest who's Ms. Isha Pitti, who's a psychologist who's with TMC. So welcome to the show, Isha. Hope you had a lovely day today. How are you doing? Hi, Prati. Thank you so much. I'm doing pretty well. I had a busy day. And yeah, I'm very excited to have a talk with you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited too, because uh, especially because I can share some personal experiences with you because I've gone through depression mm-hmm. as well. So I want to start off by sharing a very interesting thing that I heard from somebody once when I told him, okay, I'm depressed. So this is somebody from India. So I'm just assuming a lot of people might think this way. So this person told me something mm-hmm. like, depression is something that was discovered not very long ago so there were people who lived even before depression was discovered and not a lot of people have uh it's it's like really expensive so not a lot of people can afford it so people who can't afford it and people who were going through life before depression became a thing they got through so with all the help that you have why don't you think you can get through without any help i was like i I was stumped for a few minutes i was like how do i even respond to Mm -hmm. them i was like I mean, COVID was found only recently. Even diabetes wasn't a big thing mm-hmm. long ago. And right. if somebody's suffering to that, you don't tell them that, okay, a lot of people, yeah, it is expensive as well. Not a lot of people can afford mm-hmm. it. You can't tell them, so if other people can do it, you can too pull through. Like, no. Right. Of course, yeah, that's such a valid thing to point out because in the end, all this comes down to awareness. Because the awareness of depression was extremely low, people didn't really understand what they were going through, which is why you can't ask for help when you don't know what's going on with you, right? Now, because the awareness of depression is slowly increasing and people are realizing that it's a genuine, like, issue. It's not something which is not real and it does bother you. It does, like, affect your day-to-day. And, of course, if you do have, like, accessibility to resources, why not ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. And there has been so much change and so much development in the way that we're leading our lives from what you mentioned earlier on that people got through without that additional help. So somebody asked you, like, why can't you get through it now? There is so much difference in lifestyle. There is so much difference in mentality. There is so much difference in the way we function. So firstly, there's no use in comparison of like the way people dealt with their lives earlier on and how we handle it today. We have so many more stresses now as well. It's like, definitely, yeah. Yeah. True. And apart from that, also, even if people did not use it before, if today we do have resources to get better, why not ask for help? It just comes down to that. Yeah. There's literally no other argument there. Yeah. And also, nowadays, it's becoming a bit more affordable too. Like, even in TMC, mm-hmm. that's what I've read that therapy has become a bit more accessible and affordable now. And even students mm-hmm. can avail therapy. So, right. um, mm-hmm. having said that, I want to ask you, how would you? I mean, because a lot of people end up thinking this way nowadays. How do you define depression? Mm-hmm. How is it even different from somebody just being sad or lazy or not trying enough? Because symptoms present themselves that way, right? It looks right. like somebody is just being lazy, but they could be depressed. Right. So, of course, there's a lot of difference between like just feeling sad and feeling depressed. Um, A lot of people, even the depression is common. We all tend to use it very loosely. So if we do talk about like defining it or being a little more specific about it, depression is a mood disorder. It's not just a feeling. It it is a mood disorder and it makes you feel like it gives you like this consistent feelings of sadness. It gives you like a loss of pleasure and loss of interest in daily activities. 
and even with depression there are like types of depression depending on how long we've been feeling a certain way and it's always better to like reach out for these warning signs like maybe you have like a change in appetite you have a change in your sleeping um you're sleeping too much or sleeping too less you are gaining a lot of weight or losing a lot of weight and of course the main two symptoms are like the constant feelings of sadness um loss of pleasure and activities that you used to be interested in maybe work maybe your romantic relationship anything it could be anything that used to interest you and doesn't now uh, and of course apart from that you feel like hopeless you feel like uh, get feelings of worthlessness you get irritated you get anger outbursts you feel like the need to self harm or even like sometimes suicidal ideation depending on how intense your depression is or on how um initial stages it might be lower you might feel like fewer symptoms but of course as if you ignore these signs and if you're still in the same situation it keeps like worsening over a period of time okay um so how is suppose i'm given a task which is challenging mm-hmm. like a, like a board exam and i'm not depressed how would i think to myself about myself like how would i how is my how would my inner dialogue be like my self talk be compared to someone who's feeling depressed because it's more than just thinking okay i'm scared a little bit i'm nervous a little bit it, i i believe that they have a little bit more of a an isolating right. mm-hmm. and very um mm-hmm. low self esteem as well correct mm-hmm. so of course with uh, people if they are suffering through depression even when even smaller tasks become extremely difficult so maybe if they have to do like um attend a board exam or something which is very significant their first thought would just be like um i'll fail or i don't know why i'm doing this i might not get through or if it it is intense they might also feel like what is the point of this like i don't even know if i'm going to live another day or till the result comes so it of course depends on what stage you are at but more than thinking about the challenge at hand they might think about the point of even like attempting to do it right so that's the major difference and even if people uh, are going through depression but may not have like a suicidal ideation the worthlessness is still there and because they are constantly feeling sad it does like they do question the point of doing this over and over again like they might just do it out of like push from the parents or maybe like they have to do it so they just do it but they don't feel like they need to get through it and people who are doing better or who do who are like dealing or um coping in healthier ways maybe taking therapy or maybe understanding where everything is coming from their self talk might be slightly different like maybe something they've learned in therapy or something that they've understood over a period of time that helps them manage their symptoms they might see something like i know that i'm not i don't feel like doing this in the moment but this is something that i have to do maybe for my future or maybe um um something that might benefit me in any way and i'm going to do my best i'm not going to worry about the result in the moment and that's how you can differentiate okay and if there's someone in my family who's going through depression or who mm-hmm. is supposedly thinking of suicide how what are the signs that i can like that make that, that can make let me know that they're going through something because like, if i can think about myself as someone who's going through depression when i go through depression mm-hmm. i don't feel like sharing it with people and mm-hmm. for the first time when i told people i was depressed people were actually quite shocked because they only they're only used to seeing me as someone who's being social and who's Correct. like kind of warm mm-hmm. and all that so especially right. when someone who's extroverted is depressed i guess it's really tough to make mm-hmm. that out and if someone is suicidal yeah. i'm i'm pretty sure they're not going to there's something that keeps them from taking help right like they're not going to reach mm-hmm. out 
So what are the symptoms yes. Yes. that will easily yes. be... That's actually, yeah. yeah. So that's actually a very important thing to consider and talk about. So it does like spread some sort of awareness in this area. Like you rightly said, a lot of people believe that if I am like extroverted or if I portray myself to be happy or even if I am fully functioning, even if I am able to do my tasks, I can still be depressed. So it does sometimes become difficult to make out. Uh, one extremely like important, and of course there's a difference between like people might be feeling depressed but may not have like a suicidal ideation. So the approaches are completely different with both. With depression, um, maybe like one sign to look out for is like changes in their mood because this is a more evident sign. Like you may see somebody who used to be a certain way but now you see them more as like sad or the way they talk changes. They might uh, do like a little bit of self-blame. They may talk in a way that they are not happy with their lives. They may talk in a way that they don't see like they are doing their best or they shouldn't like a lot of people who are going through that say things like you know like i don't feel like doing anything all day or i'm i just feel like lying in bed all day so this the major mood change is a huge part of like recognizing depression especially in like people who live with us or people who are who we are very close to because this is something that we will be able to like um you know like recognize and apart from that like when they start withdrawing themselves socially, when they start isolating from their loved ones, that's a major sign also. Like it's always beneficial to check in with them when you do notice that they haven't been themselves lately or they haven't checked in as much as they used to. So I think that is one of the biggest warning signs because whenever you're going through an episode like that, you just don't want to talk to people. You just don't want to get out there like you used to. And apart from that, when you see like maybe changes in their daily routine, like they aren't going to work often or they're taking too many days off even from maybe college or work or whatever it is that they that's something that they're regular to do um so these three are like the major signs that even somebody from outside can recognize if you do know their life closely that's with depression and maybe with um suicidal ideation one major sign to look out for is when they express it in any way directly or indirectly like according to statistics over like most people who do have like um, who do think of like self-harm or who do think of like um, attempting to kill themselves it has it has been like um, found out that in most cases they do express that to somebody close to them in some way or the other maybe they might say things like I don't feel like living or they might say things like I feel like I'm a burden to people around me or you know maybe they're just on like say um if they're sleeping, for example, the first going to sleep, they might say something like, oh, I hope I never wake up. So sometimes they joke about it. Sometimes they, they like most people do put it across in some way or the other. So it's very important to like be very mindful of the things that people around us are telling us. Be very, like take these things very seriously. I have actually seen numerous people, um, even if they hear them out or they recognize it, they see it as like acts of attention seeking or you know, acts of behavior that they don't believe that they could do. They just feel like, oh, I know this person, they're never going to go through with it. They just need some attention or, oh, they just, it's just a phase. It's just like, so something to look out for is that like simple signs like these, when they're literally talking about it so openly, even if it might be like a little bit disguised sometimes, just not ever ignoring these signs with suicide. That's the main thing to look out for. 
Okay, but when they do express these things, what are what what is mm -hmm. the right way to help them out? Because certain things, mm -hmm. if people say a certain thing to them, like if they're not responding in the right, right way, I think they're going to shut down even more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course. Uh, things that I've commonly heard are stuff like, "Are you that stupid to do something like that?" Or aren't you strong mm -hmm. enough? Like, I thought you were strong. How could you say right. something like this? So mm -hmm. what are the responses that are the right responses to give? And what are things that is mm -hmm. definitely not okay to tell because it's it's yeah. really sensitive. Correct. That's extremely important. Like, it's very, very important for us to be sensitive when we're talking to anybody who's going through a rough time. The most important thing is to validate them. If they are getting feelings of self-harm in any way, it's important to let them know that I understand that you know, you're doing your best and you're still feeling like this. So I'm going to do everything that I can to support you. Encourage, encouraging them to sort of ask for help, maybe take therapy, tell them that, you know, I get that you're, you are going through a rough time. And it, it's okay to even tell them things like, um, people around you may not understand this. And it would really benefit if you would talk to someone. So I think when you are going through something like this, something very beneficial is to support them in a way where you're also aiding them in um, like helping them access resources that might help them get out of it and in terms of like things not to tell them is like not to say things like you mentioned that are you stupid or are you not strong enough these are like a part of it and so many people say things like are you like you know like when they think that they're seeking attention they also say things like oh are you just doing this for attention or they just say something super silly like oh did you just go through a breakup recently like people believe that the biggest cause of depression is like either romantic relationships or financial issues but there's so much more to that yeah. and yeah, something actually not to tell them reason. yeah exactly and something not to tell them is like think about your friends and family like that is not on their mind in the moment they're already struggling so much that saying that is not going to help for a lot of people that's something that actually like um helps them avoid doing it for a while but when they hear that they they're already feeling so guilty by the way that they're behaving with um, their feelings or how they're handling it. The minute they hear that, it just worsens. And this was like one of the myths that people believe that this helps, but it really yeah, doesn't help. I was kind of surprised to hear you say that because I thought that was like something that you can say, you can remind them of their loved ones. But like you say, yeah. now I understand that it could be, could make them feel even more guilty and like a burden. Yeah. And it's okay to remind them of their loved ones. It's okay to mention like every now and then that I'm here for you. This person is here for you. Or we love you. We're here for you. That's completely okay. But saying things like like sort of guilting them into it, like, oh, think about your parents or think about this person. How will they feel if you do it? Like in the moment, it's about what they are feeling. It's about what they are going through. So when you want to support them, when you want to be there for them, these things are not going to help as much as we believe that they do. Like there are better ways of reminding them of people who love them because so many people go through with it without like, you know, even though they have people around them, like very close family around them also. Yeah. So it's very helpful to understand that when they're struggling with this or when they're thinking about like um suicide or when they're thinking of even like a lot of people also don't go through with it. But even if they're considering they have the it, that means... Exactly. Even if they have like fantasies about it or they're considering it, that means they are going through something or there is something in their mind that has bothered them, which they may not have opened up about or something that you might not know about. And just reminding them about their family is not going to help enough. Mm -hmm. so that's something okay. that... And now that we're talking about both depression, depression and suicide, 
and how come it is and how the best way we can help somebody who's going through that as well. How, how does it manifest in a relationship, be it a romantic relationship or like a familial relationship, like a mother-daughter relationship? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, how does it manifest yeah. and what is the best way we can support based on the role we play in that relationship either as a partner mm -hmm. or as a daughter or as a father right. Mm -hmm. right so of course like whenever you are in at a point where you're going through depression any any form of it it's very natural that your relationships will get impacted because like i said like social withdrawal is a huge aspect of um relationships i mean of depression so say you're in a romantic relationship, one huge thing that you might see is like um, reduced intimacy. You might see like um, a lot of communication gaps because they don't really feel like expressing themselves. They'll become a bit distant from their partner. Yes, definitely. A lot of like distance will be in the picture. And as a partner, it's very like helpful to be aware, like educate yourself about it, about how depression works and how you can do your best to support your partner. And of course, like, even if your partner doesn't talk about it openly, it may get difficult for you to recognize it. You might feel like there's something wrong or um, something that you've done and you may question them, like, in some sort of way. So even if people are going through something, it's very helpful to, like, express that this is what I'm feeling and it'll really help if you can um, be a little more yeah, so supportive. Suppose my partner is going through depression. It's okay for me to express my feelings and saying that I'm concerned about not talking too much, if something going on things like that is okay to I ask. mean yeah it is it is okay to ask that you know I do feel like there is something um I do feel like a lot of change in the way that this is going are you dealing with something or is there something going on can I help you is there any way that I can anything I can do to make you feel better and when you ask questions like these they will like open up mm -hmm. even if not the first time maybe the second or the third time because for a lot of people, they see a very big change in the way that a partner is communicating or behaving with them if they are going through a depressive episode, right? So people with awareness or people who know that this is a possibility will definitely ask in a way that they, they're coming from concern about them, not just the relationship. And that helps them open up a lot. Okay, and this is a very really important thing to think about because letting yeah. out the anxiety about the relationship may not be the best idea, mm -hmm. but giving the concern right, yeah. to them about the concern the that they have about them that should be right here that makes sense and does anyone's attachment style play a role in how how distant and how detached they become in the relationship if somebody is um securely attached will they be more open about mm -hmm. being depressed or it depends from person to person but it is definitely a possibility like if you're securely attached even your communication might come from a more trusting space because if you do have if you do have a secure attachment, you may not have that much trouble trusting your partner with something. So maybe your communication in terms of like just letting them know or just putting it out there might be a little like better. But if you do have like a different style of attachment, maybe like an avoidant one, avoidant one or an insecure one, and you do face a little bit of issue in trusting people or opening up or even like just being a little vulnerable even around people you're close to, then you may not open up that easily. So, and expressing that or letting the person know makes a very big difference because not everybody can watch out for the signs. Not everybody is capable of like just understanding that what the other person is going through also. So it does help expressing. And if you do have a secure attachment style, you may express a little bit more. Okay. Um, and is depression 
it's like many generations, many different people in India go through depression and all over the world as well. Uh, right. Is it just something that has to do with hormonal imbalance and genetic predisposition or can it be because of situations in life that are not going to change for a long time? Right. And so, if I have anxiety, does that also come into mm-hmm. play? Like if I have many other, or if I, or if I have, if I have substance addiction issues or something like that, will that make my depression worse? Like does depression make my anxiety, anxious thoughts like increase? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, to answer the first part of the question about how like your dispositions, your genetics and your hormones, how they play a role in depression. Of course, like um, genetics also play a very big role and the situations and the stresses that you have also play a very big role. For some people, like it's a contribution of both. And for some people, if, for example, poverty, right? So if you have like, if you're in a situation with like extreme, extreme poverty, even though you have no genetic predisposition of like depression, you may still be like in a situation where you might get feelings of depression. And say you are living like a life that you want but your family for generations has had depression you may be more susceptible to it so at risk increases when um, genetics are involved and at risk also increases when your stressors or your environment is not very supportive so it's sort of like an interplay of both and both the people in like these particular situations should be more careful about the signs that they have around or like i mean signs about themselves and they should be more like mindful and reflect a little bit more about it and about the comorbidity like about anxiety and depression going together how it affects one another depression is the one disorder which is like comorbid with a lot of other mental health disorders like maybe if you have like ptsd you will also have depression like if you have any anxiety disorder you might have depression and vice versa or maybe if you have a chronic illness you might have depression like if maybe you have like um any kind of illness which is like going to prolong for your for the rest of your life and it doesn't like help you in any way in in the sense that it affects your day-to-day it might impact your depression also so depression is the one thing depression and anxiety both which do end up being comorbid with so many other disorders like even with substance abuse if you um do have depression like with men and women they deal with it differently men rely on substance use way more than women do so when you do feel depressed, these things increase. It may not mm-hmm. be the other way around that, um, that you know, if you have any substance use disorder, you may not like necessarily feel more depressed. But when you're depressed, um, the it's risk of substance use is extremely high. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you said that women tend to turn to substance abuse, substance use less than men do when they're depressed. Uh, is yeah. there any cultural reasons behind which men are, men tend to like keep quiet about depression and not talk about it more than women do? And other than men and women, about different generations too, do the older generations, do they feel more trapped if they feel depressed because of their mm-hmm. presuppositions? Like how, how, right. how have you, have you noticed that with your clients as well, like the older generation mm-hmm. and the younger ones and men and women right. when they come yeah. for like their first so, session? Um, Right. So with men and women, definitely the way that they handle depression is very different. With women, it'll be more feelings of guilt. It might be feelings of sadness. But with men, it may be anger, irritability, and increased substance use. So um, 
men do rely on substance use but like when we think from a cultural standpoint it's also because they haven't been um used to expressing themselves that easily they repress their emotions more than expressing them and women tend to express their emotions more and ask for help because they don't believe that there's any shame in doing that and they've been grown up in a way that expression has always been okay crying has been okay but because men haven't had that benefit they've like through generations and generations it's extremely difficult for them to ask for help or even like express any pain that they're going through which is why they resort to means like substance use to like feel okay in the moment or just like get a break from anything intense that they're feeling and in terms of um right and in terms of like generational um like you know differences definitely people who are older and people who are maybe in the 50s or 40s also their approach to mental health is very different because they've only recently started being made aware of how it works and how you can cope or how you can um even ask for help right because like you said a couple of years ago even a few decades ago mental health wasn't a very big concept right but today like today's generation especially they've been getting educated about it since school because of so much media exposure and because of so many people like even even mental health related deaths has increased so much plus the pandemic has brought to light so many mental health concerns so people who are slightly younger have a better or um like just an understanding about mental health from a younger um like since they've been younger also so they find it easier to open up they find it easier to understand that that's more normalized to them compared to the older exactly yeah the stigma has reduced a lot so even with older people they may not like um open up about like maybe asking for help they might not they understand might like the therapy because exactly according yeah. to them it's something like they're a failure yeah. and they've let people down yeah correct but people like even teenagers today are so open about taking therapy people like young adults are so open about taking therapy so i think that also makes a major difference because if you're able to um take pride in the fact that you're working on yourself or asking for help to make improvement or any kind of development your growth is also slightly better okay and when it comes to psychiatry like when is when would you say someone needs psychiatric intervention for mm-hmm. uh, depression and suicidal ideation and when right. is it mm-hmm. when are they not so much in crisis like how is the difference right so um initially if you it depends on one thing in the beginning whether or not you want a diagnosis or not like a lot of people um like if you need to get a diagnosis it's better to go to a psychiatrist and if you need or if you want medication you go to a psychiatrist but maybe you're in a place where maybe a certain event has happened like maybe you've lost somebody or you've lost a business or any kind of major transition has happened which has left to you feeling this way then it's better to go for therapy because it you may just cope with it in a better manner but maybe if you're getting suicidal ideation since a very very long time and it's been very intense um talking about your feelings hasn't helped much then maybe relying on medication can also benefit you and even people who do take medication also take therapy so it's a combination of both for some people and only therapy for some people okay and there are some common myths i think we also spoke about it in the previous episodes that people think that they tend to get dependent on the tablets and mm-hmm. it doesn't usually happen right because 
I believe that they taper the tablets and stop at some points for some people as well. For some people, okay. it might be for a longer time. And that also brings me to my next question. So not just with tablets, but even with therapy, it's not it's not like a quick fix solution. Like one session isn't going to help. Yeah. And it's because like how many sessions would it take usually? Because from personal experience, I feel like there is a phase where you get stuck in rumination. And no matter what you try, you kind of end up in that headspace where you keep going back right. to feeling depressed mm -hmm. so how long does it take to work out that how many sessions would it usually right. so um with therapy you can't really um pinpoint in the beginning how many sessions it would take it depends on what the problem is kind of taking time to understand what you're dealing with like why what your trigger is how the feelings of depression even started so a few sessions for that then accepting what has happened trying to like come around it then dealing with your coping and then sort of like starting your healing process. So it completely depends on what the presenting problem is and it depends on the progress that you're making. Some people make quicker progress because their acceptance comes quicker or maybe their um, depression is because of surface problems like um, maybe like some, some kind of loss that they faced recently. But for some people, um, it could have been because of some kind of trauma that they've been through as a child and they've blocked that out. So identifying that, talking about it, recognizing it will take a few sessions mm -hmm. itself. So it completely depends on the situation that you're in and about the pills that does it cause dependency and how, how you really manage it. If, if you do get prescribed pills from a, you know, professional psychiatrist, then there's no harm in taking pills because they will only prescribe it to you if they feel like you're in need for it. A lot of times they even will just say that, you know, you're not in the need of it right now. Maybe you can try therapy for a few weeks and then we'll like, you know, revisit on this. And for some people, it does also cause dependency after a point um, depend because your dosage also may not impact you the way that it did before. Especially for like, maybe with older people who are depressed, they might need sleeping pills. So with these kind of things, of course, dependency does increase, but it sort of comes down to the to personal choice also. But there's definitely no harm in taking pills. There's a lot of myths around it. It should just be diagnosed by the right person. Yeah. And if the doctor is like watching over the patient taking the medicines, there are less chances of them becoming like, there are less chances of them yeah. abusing the tablet and the system. So definitely, yeah. Because the doctor will also like cut off the dosage when they feel like, there is improvement or when they feel like there's any risk of like addiction, they mm -hmm. will look for a way to um, also reduce the dosage or shift you to another dosage or maybe increase. Yeah. So that definitely is something that depends on what your psychiatrist is prescribing for you. Yeah. Okay. So we've come to the end of the session today. I wish I could ask you more questions so good because right now my brain is brimming with questions and questions and questions. Yeah, but we do have limited time. So is there any last message that you want to leave uh, everyone with? And and if you have any advice to somebody going through depression to how on how they can help themselves because sometimes family environment is not supportive. It's not very, I mean, it's kind yeah. of could be toxic. So the best way to help mm -hmm. oneself and the things that I can tell myself mm -hmm. when I'm depressed. Right. So I think one thing that I would like everybody to know is that if you're feeling a certain way or if you are going through any of these symptoms, ask for help and rely on people around you. I see so many people not making use of the social support that they have or 
not expressing what you're feeling but trust me the minute you even open up about what you're feeling you will like people will help you get the access that you need to improve your situation and even if you are in an environment where you feel like you can't rely on anybody then just just go and start therapy with somebody that you trust the reason is that like it's simply like physical like you know like a physical disease that you're going through maybe if you have like say any disease the minute you see symptoms you will address them right you won't want them to get worsened over a period of time so in this it's all about how quickly you take charge of your life like just not delaying it just not punishing ourselves every time somebody feels like they're not doing something they need to just ask yourself like is this me punishing myself why am i not asking for help or why am i not like making use of the resources that i have so that sort of also pushes them to maybe book a session or even like rely on somebody around them and reflect a little bit more and then look for healthier coping mechanisms to sort of manage the symptoms that they're going through okay and we'll also link in the description some of the helplines that are available in india that people can reach out to for suicide prevention as yeah. well as how they can you know find out more information about therapy and Definitely. where they can connect because right now there are more resources than there were before and yeah. i actually came up with this interesting statistics which said that there are a lot of people who got depressed especially after the pandemic but because mm-hmm. of all the awareness that's coming up there there right. seems to be a lot of people who are reaching out and from the ones that are reaching out the recovery rate is perfect like they're almost completely mm-hmm. recovered yeah it's really motivated yeah. to think about it in india too because yeah. it, like you said it was exactly yeah there many years ago people didn't have that much awareness right so it does seem very promising yeah. so we will link the description link the links in the description below Uh, thank you so much Isha for your time today and I also want to thank, thank you for starting an Instagram page where you're spreading awareness to us uh, and giving us like authentic genuine information which is from a professional I think that's really necessary to cleanse us from all the negative and like, improper information that's laying around so thank you so much mm-hmm. and thank you so much for your time today thanks for telling me a lot about thank depression you. I think I learned a lot too because I'm going through depression as well so thank you so much for mm-hmm. your time